Is Universal and Blumhouse about to commit blasphemy? Plus, there's blood in the water at Marvel TV. And yeah, we're going to talk about that episode of Doctor Who. All this and more on this week's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 98 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hello, Brian. So the weekend's coming up, and we got the yes. Super Bowl. Oh, and, yeah, that thing, huh? Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> of course, again, we always say, you know, we don't really care much about the game, but we do care about the commercials. I know yeah. there's going to be a couple of commercials. They're already announcing some of them. Usually you had to wait until they ran before you knew what they were going to be. But uh, there's a couple of geek-centric commercials. Of course, they're going to have the they're going to do a Walmart commercial, the Walmart delivery service where you know where you yep. go mm-hmm. and pick. And they always do those um, geek icon crossovers. They're going to do another one. They're going to be doing a Bill and Ted one. <laughs> awesome. So where it's um, young. Uh, um, I always get the two mixed up. Which one's Bill and which one's Ted? Who uh, Who's Keanu playing? Oh, Keanu is Ted and right, that's right. Uh, I always, Alex, Alex is Kittner is Bill, Bill. right. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, he's playing himself as young Bill and older Bill. Aww. So there's that crossover. <laughs> and then we get we get Frank the Pug from uh, uh, Men in Black. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, there's a Star Wars reference with mm-hmm. a C-3PO. So there's, there's a bunch of different references in this one. And the one that, that I thought was really weird was there's going to be a Pringles commercial, a Rick and Morty Pringles commercial, <laughs> uh, which is going to be as weird as you can imagine. That well, like it that makes be. sense because Rick and Morty, they're like the infinite universes and there seem to be infinite flavors of Pringles. I get it. It's, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, my understanding is the commercial has a lot to do with fla- the flavor mixing, you know, the whole game of taking three. Right. You know, and you have to different. guess what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The whole the whole deal with you put flavors together and you create new flavors mm-hmm. that way that goes horribly wrong because this is Rick and Morty. So, <laughs> so there you go. So we got that uh, to look forward to. So I, I figure, you know, there's something majorly geek centric. We can definitely talk about this uh, uh, on the next podcast. But I... I did want to bring up first, and, and here's the thing. Let me just let me say this first of all as a as a disclaimer, okay? Because I know on the last podcast, you know, I was raining pretty heavily on Universal's parade. I'm not necessarily about to do that now, okay? Let me just let me just preface by saying I'm not necessarily raining on their parade by by talking about this. I, this is not my intention. This could go either, this could be a really good thing or this could be a really bad thing. I haven't decided yet, but I thought I'd bring this up to you and and ask you about this. But Universal and Blumhouse, they're apparently working on a reboot of The Thing. Didn't that already happen? Yeah, well, but we don't talk about that. Okay. That's a thought. Well, it's supposed to be, the last movie was supposed to be a prequel of Mm -hmm. of, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm -hmm. Although, in a real sense, it was like a soft reboot. They just didn't call it that. Okay. So yeah, that's a that's a good question. It's like, uh-huh. didn't they already do something like that? Now here's here's yeah, what... I've never got to see the thing from another world, so I haven't seen the original. Yeah, I haven't seen the thing, black and white. So I haven't. Yeah, yeah, it's its own. It's definitely its own thing. Mm-hmm. And I I have seen it. Okay, and I've enjoyed it for you know, I mean, John Carpenter's The Thing is not really a remake per se of that one. Mm-hmm. You know, you just basically have a a plant looking Frankenstein. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. but I but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoy John Carpenter's version of it. I enjoy Doctor Who's version of it. So, <laughs> yes, there is a Doctor Who version of a thing from another world that takes place in Antarctica, and uh, it's called The Seeds of Death. Okay. It's a, it's a Tom Baker episode. Oh, okay. See, I was thinking of the um, the train episode where it's a David Tennant era. Right. They're at that space spa, and then they get on the train, and then uh, something gets into them. And yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But the, yeah, there's this great. Uh, this was a Tom Baker, Elizabeth Sladden, okay. um, yeah, Sarah Jane Smith version of it, uh, which I enjoyed, and I had seen that before I'd seen any like the thing or the you know, thing from the uh, another world. Uh-huh. But it's, or it's definitely was it, who goes there is that the the book? Yeah, well, who see, goes he, there? Yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because mm-hmm. here's here's how this whole thing with Universal and Blumhouse developed. Of course, you know all this was developed off of uh, the John. 
W. Campbell's uh, novella that was uh, published in 1936, okay? Oh, wow. That's a lot older than I thought. Yeah, but here's the thing. A couple of years ago, what happened was they had discovered an extended version of that novella. So apparently he was working on developing it as as a full-blown novel. Apparently it hadn't gotten published at the time, but uh, I think it was John uh, Battencourt did a Kickstarter to publish the book. It was entitled Frozen Hell. Huh, and basically, okay. it's an extension of that story. It's that story to, with a lot more background to it. Okay. So it's, um, so it, I mean, it's basically the same story. It's just he apparently um, um, Campbell was looking to expand it into a full blown novel, and he did. Just never got around to publishing it, but it's out now, and you can get it. Wow, that's neat. And apparently, yeah. So apparently, that's. It was that novel, Frozen Hell, that that Universal and Blumhouse bought the rights to. Okay. So, I guess technically this is not going to be a a sequel or a remake to to the original thing from another uh, another world, or even or even the John Carpenter. It's going to be based off of this novel. It's so going to be its own. Okay. It's going to be its own thing. So. Mm-hmm. I think I actually have a quote here. Yeah, this is what he said about the book. He said, Frozen Hell expands the thing story dramatically, giving vital backstory and context to an already incredible tale. So basically, you're going to, I guess you're going to get a lot more background about what the creature and and all of that stuff. So kind of like when uh, Stephen King came out with the, the the big stand, <laughs> you right. know, he had the little stand, and then he had the big stand. So well, I think I, I think in this case he had the big stand, and then he had the colossal stand. <laughs> the ma- you know, uh, so yeah, so that's basically it. And I understand this movie's being fast tracked. So I'm, I mean, I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Apparently, they're working to get this put out pretty quickly. So it's its own thing, but I mean, at the same time. Especially with John Carpenter's The Thing, that's that's a sacred text to a lot of us mm-hmm. horror fans. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why that soft reboot that we talked about didn't do so well. And I guess you don't speak of it now? <laughs> not not very much. No. Well, uh, we talked about it a few times, uh, and I think we even mentioned it maybe either last week or the week before. I thought that about uh, I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. So that's been done three times that... I can recall on film and really the most faithful one to the novel was the last man on earth. The very first one with Vincent Price, that one was the most like the novel. And then when they went to the mega man and the Will Smith, I am legend, they kind of got further and further away from the, the original novel. So now it's kind of feel like with a thing, they're trying to go back to what, I guess the yeah. author really wanted. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. w- w- again, you know, you have this novel that that's only really been out for a couple of years, mm-hmm. but it was it was enough to get Universal and Blumhouse excited enough to buy the rights to this. And to basically, I, my understanding, they're fast tracking this movie, so it may be out in a year or two. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this could be a really great thing. This could be a really terrible thing. As of right now, I don't know, but uh, we'll see. Well, we'll definitely check that out. We were talking a little bit last week about uh, Seth uh, MacFarlane, yes, getting this big contract mm-hmm. with with NBC Universal, and now with the news coming out, we get we have a a better idea of what's going on because we've been talking, you know. Their streaming service stuff, you know, they must be coming out with, uh, you know, there's a thought that they might be doing a streaming service. Well, they are, and they're which they're calling Peacock, <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And that's it. I guess they could call it Dun Dun Dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, that's actually coming out July fifteenth of this year. Okay. So, um, um, what's interesting about it is, well, it's going to be coming out April fifteenth if you have Xfinity or or Flex. They'll go ahead and uh, so can, that'll just put out their already content that they already have, yeah, and well, then yeah, later well, on they'll put put out the new content. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you know, with NBC and Universal Studios, they'll have a lot of content. And mm-hmm. I figure for a lot of us monster kids, you know, the Universal monsters, that's going to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing about this: it's a tiered service. Okay, mm-hmm. the first tier is going to be absolutely free. Mm-hmm. So you're uh, you'll be able to access Peacock for free, the but thing with ab- commercials. With commercials, okay. exactly. So you'll have you'll have ads, and you'll be limited to the amount of content you can have. I mean, you'll you, there'll only be uh, selected episodes of the Peacock originals you'll be able to see. Now, if you want more content, 
you can become a premium member for $4.99 a month. And then you get to watch the full seasons of original projects and you get more content. Now, you can also up this to for $9.99 a month and then it becomes ad-free at that okay. point. So uh, depending on, uh, you know, they're giving you the free service so you can get like a taste of it. You mm -hmm. know, it's like uh, what uh, YouTube did with right. their originals where mm -hmm. you could see the first episode and then you had to pay you know, to get they behind it. Pull you in and then you're, you know, watching three seasons of Cobra Kai for. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the way they get you for sure. Right. So, of course, now we've got another uh, entry into the, into the streaming wars, but uh, going to the other side of it, of course, we've been talking about uh, Marvel television and shows that they've been uh, working with Hulu on. Of course, they had canceled everything on Netflix. And so it kind of made you wonder what was going to happen with shows that they were doing with like Hulu and Freeform and things like that. Well, we're starting to get these answers now because Marvel has already canceled the Hulu shows Howard the Duck and Tiger and Dazzler. Aww. Now, these were all in production, but Howard the Duck, they had already, I mean, Kevin Smith was already writing scripts for this, and yeah. he was going to be the showrunner for it. And was they, Seth Green going to do the voice again? Or? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I would because you know he and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're they're uh, they're pretty tight, aren't they? I, I would think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Now they haven't said anything. They haven't said anything about Modoc or Hit Monkey, but I'm pretty sure they're going to cancel those too. Now mm -hmm. the plan was in Hulu they were going to do these four shows and then they were going to put these shows together just like they did on on um, netflix and made the defenders mm -hmm. in this case they were going to call them the offenders <laughs> so but pat oswald was already i mean he was already on um on track to be, be the voice of modok so hmm. i mean plans were being made but and like i said there's nothing official yet on modok or hit monkey but i i i have to feel like they're getting ready to, to cancel them and i i, I have a feeling that a lot of shows that are that are on free form, like uh, Cloak and Dagger. I mean, successful shows. But I feel like Kevin Feige is now pulling everything back in. I think he, they're they're wanting as much content as they can for Marvel, and so I think honestly they're thinking they don't want to split the audience. They don't want them necessarily. Even though, to be fair, Walt Disney they own part of Hulu. So it's not it's not necessarily that that uh, that these shows were you know playing on on this was stuff for the enemy you know because you know who again Hulu is partially owned by Disney so I mean they'd be making their money either way but yeah it just seems like they're going out and killing anything Marvel that they can get their hands on that belongs to them I mean obviously the stuff on Sony well you know they've they've been making stirrings obviously but. Um, yeah, anything Marvel that that's on other platforms, they just seem like they're just pulling the plug on left and right. So if I hear anything about Modoc for sure, I'll mention something, but uh I would figure they're they're going to be gone. We're going to hear something soon and that that they're going to get the plug pulled as well. But uh you know, as the uh, streaming wars continue, now we now we get another bidding war. Netflix and Apple TV. Now, we talked about Apple TV before because all they have at this point is their own original content and Right. Not a lot of it, but they they definitely have uh, have some, but they're making their first move to 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 uh, pull some external content, uh, and that and they and Netflix are on a they're both talking to MGM to get streaming stuff from them. Okay. So, of course, you know with MGM you get you get all the James Bond movies, the Mad Max films, uh, Rocky, Wizard of Oz, Robocop. <laughs> no, uh, I think Disney bought Wizard of Oz, but yeah. Uh, the Pink Panther, you know, things like that. But huh. you also, but the thing is, what people don't remember uh, realize is that MGM is also producing television content. Now they're also they're producing television comp uh, content that's appearing in other platforms. Hulu has The Handmaid's Tale, uh, which is MGM. So oh. the thing is, whoever gets uh, MGM may be getting mm -hmm. The hand Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, so and that's that's winning all kinds of awards. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's one that's one of the hot TV shows right now. So. Yeah, so which is, might be a a good reason why this bidding is starting to happen. I mean Netflix they're losing content left and right. Apple needs to pull some content besides what they make themselves because they want to build their own platform. MGM would be a solid jewel in anyone's crown at this point. I think Apple needs it more, but the thing is Netflix they're on such a high right now. They got 
they produced two movies right. that, that are now up for Best Picture and mm-hmm. Oscars. So, I mean, they're they already got all the enemies, enemies. Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. All they need is some music for some Grammy, and then they could uh, produce their own uh, Netflix, the Broadway musical, and then they'll have their uh, they'll have their Tony, so they can EGOT. Now there you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, speaking of which, we can get, we got to talk about The Witcher for a moment because there's a couple a uh, couple of things that uh, popped up this week. There's going to be, uh, of course, we're big long wait until you know season two of The Witcher, right? But the tide is over. We're going to get a Witcher anime uh, <laughs> done by the b- done by the uh, the Legend of Korra studio, and oh, we're supposed wow. to do that's going to happen this summer. Uh, are they using voices from the game or voices from the show? I'm. Honestly, I don't uh-huh. know. I, I I don't know if they're doing either one. Well, I just found out recently that um, the original live action show based on The Witcher called The Hexer, mm-hmm. when uh, I believe it was in Dutch. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. But the original man who played The Witcher is doing the Dutch dub of uh the the current witcher so he's going over their lines and doing it you know in his own language so he gets to play him twice i think that's (laughs) really fun yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) Mm -hmm. but also speaking of the witcher anyone who's listening to this podcast on spotify after you're done listening to the podcast go look for toss a coin to your witcher it's now available on spotify if you love that song uh-huh. The entire soundtrack, the volume one of the soundtrack is going to be released in its entirety on Spotify. Isn't it like eight um, hours long? I could be wrong. Yeah. I Actually, thought it was it really is, long. <laughs> yeah. It's already been released. It was released on the 24th. So they had started with that one song, but now you can get the entire volume one of the soundtrack on Spotify. It's since the 24th. So definitely, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you got to get your uh, Witcher on and... You know, you haven't had enough of that song yet. Yeah, it's not stuck in your head at all. If it's not stuck. Now, if, if that is stuck in your head, there's still some other great songs in the show, you know, to go listen to. And they move the story along just as well. And they're just as good. Not as much of an earworm, you know, but they're they're fun to listen to. There you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, of course, uh, when we, we're recording on Thursday now. Mm-hmm. We normally record on Tuesday, but... Uh, uh, but, uh, of course, today is Thursday uh, at the time of this recording, and episode two of Picard is going to be coming out this this evening. Oh, okay. uh, I did catch episode one. Um, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. I can understand why some people don't like it. Oh. Mm. Uh, there is this trend uh, of things getting dark, you know, doing the apocalyptic version of, of okay. your beloved. I mean, everything seems to take a dark turn. I mean, Doctor Who took a dark turn. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a dark turn for uh, the Federation. I don't. I don't know how much you know about about the about the no, show at all. But you, no, you're basically, nothing. yeah. The amount of time that's passed between Star Trek Nemesis and now is the same amount of time that's passed in the show. Okay. So, like twenty years. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like it was ninety eight. Yeah. Was the last. Yeah. yeah. So you basically have Picard, who's no longer part of Starfleet, and you find out the reason why he was he's no longer part of Starfleet is because he quit. Hmm. He quit in a huff. He would, well, a huff is not. Uh, I would say. I think that's downplaying how angry he was with Starfleet. <laughs> what had happened was they, and going back to Nemesis, you know, the and going back to J.J. Abrams' uh, Star Trek, you know, the uh, uh, the supernova, the uh, the Romulan sun going supernova and destroying uh, Romulus, and so you had uh, the situation where you know Ro- uh, the Romulans are without a home. And so uh, Picard, he organizes this massive rescue operation, mm-hmm. you know, you know, hundreds and upon hundreds of ships to go to Romulus to basically save the Romulans. Yeah, an arc, an exodus. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, what happens, though, in the show is a group of synthetics attack Mars and they basically destroy the Utopia Planitia shipyards at Mars. This is where, of course, Starfleet makes their ships where mm. all the Enterprises were built mm-hmm. at Utopia uh, Planitia. And they set Mars on fire. Uh, they say to this day, Mars is on fire. This is uh, basically, uh, this is a very, th- I would say, thinly veiled Reference to 9-11. That's exactly oh, how they wow. feel about it. Because okay. nobody saw this coming. Uh-huh. And so basically 
uh, what Starfleet decides to do and the Federation decides to do is they're like, okay, well, forget this. We're not, we are too strained. This is, you know, we need to cut ourselves off. And so they can't, they, they abort the entire, the entire operation to rescue the Romulans. And of course, Picard's not happy about this. Yeah. And of course they justify this, but well, they've been our enemies forever. It's, you know, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And he there figured it was a big deal. And so he decided to play the card. Well, we're either going through with this or I'm quitting. And they were like, well, we're sorry to see you go. Wow. And so the Romulans were left to hang out to dry. And Picard basically goes back to France and he's on his vineyard. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the start. That's the start of all it's of this. It's a bit this. of a Titan-A-E storyline to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he lives on his farm. He's making his wine. He's living on his vineyard. He has two Romulans who, who help him with the farm. And then, of course, if you've seen the trailers, you know that this an individual shows up, this young woman who is just sitting there minding her own business, having drinks with her boyfriend in their apartment when these three black-clad uh, ninja-looking soldiers beam in, kill her boyfriend, and try, try to put a black sack over her head and kidnap her. And then something clicks on her, and she becomes Bruce Lee and beats the crap out of <laughs> out of them and escapes. But she has this image of Picard, and feels like she needs to go, and and find him. And so, you, you, if you've seen the trailers, you see there's a lot of um, you see there's a lot of references to Data, and of course that's why you know there's all the, these issues. There have been attempts to to duplicate Data with limited success, and for some reason these synthetics rebelled and and a bunch of lures possibly mm-hmm. but at the same time i i look at it this way it's like whenever uh regardless of whether you created them or not when you take a life form and you you attempt to enslave them eventually they're not going to be cool with it you know regardless of whatever situation they're in eventually they're going to rebel uh it just makes sense but you get again. You get this idea. Of feder, you know, the Federation is definitely flawed. for For the longest time, even since Data, you know, they were wanting to create a bunch of synthetics. For all intents and purposes, they were creating themselves a new slave class. You know, for all intents and purposes. And I mean, it's it's why they were creating you know synthetics in Blade Runner. I mean, this is a story. That's that we, how you get Terminator. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. how you. There you go. So it, it turns out that this this woman that went uh, went all super saying that she may be created from the positronic matrix of data. Huh. Uh, okay. So in a sense, she's like a daughter. Uh, what surprised me is they killed her off right in the middle of the show. <laughs> so it's like she wound, she winds up dying. She winds up getting killed, but apparently she has a twin sister because these um, synthetics have to be grown in pairs. So. There's another one. And then, of course, you you find out that the Romulans are living on a board cube, and that's how they end the show. Now, this now the episode that's coming up, I, I think that uh, we're going to see Riker and Troy in this one. They're, I guess they're no longer part of Starfleet either. And, of course, they've been married for a while, and so they're... Li- um, oh, um, wow. Okay. But, you know, the, the thing about it is I can understand why some people would not like this show because, again, you're taking... You know, the hopefulness of Star Star Trek, you know, that was the thing about Star Trek, even from the beginning, you know, you have all these races and creeds living together. And, you know, it's a uh, an ideal vision of the future, for sure. And now you're, you're sort of taking that away and going, yeah, well, Starfleet, they're a bunch of jerks. <laughs> you know, they, they basically, forgive me for using this term, but it's, uh, it's apropos for this. You know, they decided to build a wall. Yeah. You know, that's basically what they did. Mm-hmm. And so um, now I know a lot of people are like, why does why does uh, uh, why does Star Trek have to suddenly become all political? And I'm like, since when? <laughs> you know, it's like since 1963. Yeah, when was it? <laughs> when yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah. You think it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but I'm black on the right side. He's right, black on, on the, the left, left side. You look the exact same to me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, and science fiction's always Mm -hmm. gotten political, but the thing about it is, I think just in our times, you know, it's, again, it's like, you know, in the the 50s and the 60s, we were looking for a brighter future, and so science fiction reflected it. I think nowadays we are really pessimistic, and I think, again, our literature is going to reflect that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think that's what science fiction does well. It either it either entices you with a a, a vision of a of a better future, or it it tries to scare you off and warn you with a vision of how bad things could get. And I mean, I can't even think of any kind of utopian future story that's come out in the last ten or fifteen years nope. at all. Mm-mm. Everything else, I think everything's dystopian. Mm-hmm. And so seeing Star Trek go to dystopian isn't a surprise to me mm-hmm. at all. It's just not because yeah. it's just, it seems like that's where things are going. And yeah. it's definitely making comment. Uh, uh, it's a definitely a commentary of political satire and of what's going yeah. on now for sure. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole idea of, you know, immigration and mm-hmm. who, uh, who has a right to be wherever and this whole mm-hmm. idea of, isolationism and, and all of that, you know, and, and certainly things that we've been talking about politically uh, in the United States definitely is being reflected in the show. But again, I see why some people might not be cool with that. Right. Uh, I, I don't see it on your list over there. Um, did you see today that uh, Robert Kirkland confirmed what calls the walkers? Yes, I yes, saw that. Uh-huh. That's what, um, you know, talking about dystopia and, right. you know, zombie apocalypses and things. So so you saw that, right? That's- yeah. Which, well, the nice thing, well, the thing about it is it's very similar to to the setup that was in Night of the Living Dead because they, had, ah. they, they shot down the, uh, the Venus probe. Uh-huh. And there was a thought that there was something on the probe, some sort of radiation or a virus. And apparently Kirkman confirmed, of course, that there's some sort of space bore. Space bore! You know. <laughs> That's Although, brilliant, yes. But, you know, the thing about it, too, is it's that... It's the blob. It's, you know, it's... Yeah. It's... Um, well, you know, uh, we, we've gotten to the War point. of the worlds. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it's definitely... I mean... One Screw of the, fly solutions. It's very... <laughs> I mean, the whole thing of it came from outer space is... Mm-hmm. it's. Because there's so much mystery in space, you can get away with saying something like, I mean, you know, in in the 50s and the 60s, you know, with Marvel Comics, you know, everybody Mm -hmm. got superpowers through radiation because, you know, we were just now starting to understand it. Yeah. In the 50s, the blob, it did come from outer space. But in the 80s, the blob, it was the government you know what what did we do how did we do something so you know this entire time we've been thinking you know how did we screw up in walking dead what did what did we do what did we stupid humans do this time um which you know the stand that that was you know we stupid humans messing around and uh now that it's confirmed nope not us well you know (laughs) maybe or maybe not it really depends on how the spore got here you know you know how how did that happen Mm mm-hmm this is very much like Andromeda Strain. Okay, I haven't. Uh, oh, that. If I have, I don't remember Andromeda Strain. Uh, well, you would remember. Okay, it if you, no, yeah, I uh, the no, it's a it's a novel, and it's also it was. Uh, I want to say it was like late fifties, early sixties movie. Okay. It's a color film. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic film, by the way. Ooh, if you ever okay. get a chance to see it. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's all about this. Uh, it's about this group of scientists trying to figure out this this uh, virus and how it works because. Uh, you know, people are We're dying. dying. People mm-hmm. are dying, and uh, uh, and it had a a, a space origin to it, mm-hmm. but it was a, definitely a situation where yeah, we did this to ourselves. Okay, as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, of course, you know, Kirkman makes a good point. It's like he didn't really go into any of the background because how would any of these characters know any of it? Yep, can't. Mm-hmm. You know, things had fallen apart so quickly. You know, and who would care? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Did it come from space? Did it come from a volcanic eruption? Did the government try to come up with some sort of chemical warfare, some kind of biological warfare that went wrong? At this point, does it matter? Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, some of our friends are trapped in a cave and what are they going to do? I mean, that's, you know, you, you have to deal with what's right in front of you. So it was never really going to come up, you know, except for that one moment with Eugene where he's like, I'm from the CDC and I know what the cure is and I got to get to Washington. <laughs> Dirty liar. Um, dirty, yeah, it was like the one little bit of hope. You're like, oh, wait a minute. This could be, maybe could, this thing could be cured. At this point, in Walking Dead, we're not even thinking about it anymore. No one's even thinking, well, how are we going to fix the, fix things and get it back to normal? I mean, it's, it's too this late. This is the new normal. This is the new normal. It's too late for that. So, But, uh, of course, if we're going to talk science fiction, we're definitely going to have, you know what we got to talk about. Uh, Doctor Who. Maybe we should just call the Doctor Who segment, Who Goes There? yeah maybe so Mm -hmm. and boy do we got a lot to talk about on this last episode Mm -hmm. 
just the craziest things. Uh, it, definitely, it was definitely a fan squealing moment. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, there was definitely a lot of that and squealing for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit of Doctor Who news. Uh, Jodie Whittaker has, in fact, announced that she has signed up for the next season of Doctor Who. Fantastic. So no regenerations at the end of this uh, the, uh, this season. Uh, but but uh, some other news came out uh, that uh, Tossin Cole has just been cast in a lead role in a television season for AMC. Uh, hmm. The name of the show is mm-hmm. uh, 61st Street, and he plays uh, a young man who's... Uh, he's in high school. He's getting ready. He's a senior. He's getting ready to graduate. He's got. He's a runner. He's gotten a scholar, full scholarship to go to college. He lives. He's a, lives in Chicago. And before any of this could really happen for him, you know, before he, you know he can graduate, he gets arrested by the Chicago police because they think he's a gang leader. Oh no! And what makes it worse is that a a drug bust has has recently gone wrong, and a policeman was shot and killed. And so mm. they are looking to pin something heavy on, you know. So this is going to be a two-season show, and they've already locked it down. It's going to be two seasons, and that's it. I'll be interested to hear his American accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's going to be a courtroom drama, and it's going to definitely focus on problems with, you know, uh, lack of justice and, you, oh, know, yeah. you know, just that kind of stuff, you know, kind of stuff that happens in big cities, you know. Uh, and racial tensions and all of that stuff. Now, the thing about it is, if Tossin's going to be doing this, how's he going to be doing Doctor Who? Oh, Yeah, because the, those uh, filming the episodes of Doctor Who, especially if you're one of the companions, I mean, it's not like uh, you can take a break. No. You know, mm-hmm. so, we're, but if he's leaving, he's leaving at the end of this season. Of course, I I think you've seen the, uh, you've seen the second trailer, you know, the, the mid-season trailer for Doctor Who. And there's that one scene where you hear where you hear Ryan saying, you know, is this, you know, is this, uh, how long is this going to go on? I mean, is this what our life's going to be from now on? It's so, it's like, uh, well, apparently not for Ryan. Something's going to happen. I, are they going to kill him off? Is he going to, is he going to leave the TARDIS? You know, we're already now starting to see some tensions between, you know, among the family, shall we say. Yeah. But with good reason. Because, uh, of course, we have um, episode five now, uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon. <laughs> and it did feel kind of like a mid-season because they piled a lot of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff to unpack. In fact, I feel like we kind of have to split this into two. <laughs> yeah. Because you got to unpack one part of this and then we got to unpack the other part of it. And it's just like each one of these things is its own, definitely its own subject. But let's start out with Captain Jack is back. Yeah. <laughs> so, but man, that was a lot of stuff to unpack there. Uh, and of course, you you know, you have to have that wonderful moment, you know, Graham, Graham has never seen Captain Jack before and, you know, he, he gets a uh, good snog off Captain Jack. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, no. But again, you know, it's like everybody, you know, including, you know, John Berriman, everyone's been saying, when are we going to see him again? When yes. are we going to see him again? And of course, with this episode, you know. We we get uh, two uh, Davies creations. We get the Jadoon again, mm-hmm. and we get uh, you know Jack, uh, Captain Jack Harkness. But man, he had a lot to say in that episode because he was trying to scoop up the Doctor. Totally missed her. Didn't even get a chance to see her. No, grabbed everybody else. Yep. But it warns basically warns her that uh, about something that's going to happen in the future, and we've already seen seen part of it in the tra- in the trailers because we've seen this we've seen this tarnished uh, rusted cyberman of course we didn't know what that was all about but apparently according to uh according to Jack Harkness is that um there was uh this organization called the alliance we don't know who they are he never he didn't explain but apparently a very powerful organization and power and strong enough to have time travel. And they, he said they sent something. He didn't say someone. He said something sent something back in time to destroy the Cybermen. Uh, very much like what the uh, time Lords did with the doctor to send him back, you know, to Scaro, right? To Scaro mm-hmm. for, you know, to, uh, to deal with the, the, mm-hmm. the Daleks before they were ever created. And that was the first, 
uh, appearance of Davros. Yes. And because uh, I can remember Tom Baker standing there holding those two uh the, those two wires getting right. ready and he's looking and he's like can i do this even yeah. though he knows how evil they are he's like can can i be responsible for the eradication of an entire race right you know and don't think he doesn't get that thrown back into his face well, we could say P- uh, peter capaldi if you guys remember uh that episode and of course i know you you still need to catch up on capaldi but yeah that whole situation gets thrown right back into his Ooh. face but uh yeah so apparently the uh, Cybermen Empire was utterly destroyed except for one. There's a lone Cyberman. And Captain Jack warns, sends the warning, don't give it what it wants at all costs. Mm. So it sounds like there's going to be a very difficult choice to be made here. And it's going to be the doctor's job uh, to, to make a difficult choice. Now, of course, Captain Jack says, you know, if she ever needs me, I'll be there. We, As far as we know... It's not going to be this season. This is be the only time we see him this season. We might see him next season, but mm-hmm. uh, but then again, you know the um, the first rule. You know, they always said, you know, the first rule of the Doctor is the Doctor always lies. At the same time, the first rule of Doctor Who is that the showrunners always lie. <laughs> so who knows? There, there's no telling if we're going to see Captain Jack. But they're basically saying no. That's that's it for the. That's going to be it for the season. But uh, we do want to bring him back. So. Uh, I would hope so, because, uh, you know, don't tease us, you know, <laughs> give us a little bit of them and then we don't get to see him again. That's that's not fair. But yeah. So but there's a lot of questions here. You know, who is this alliance? Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time we saw any kind of an alliance, it was back uh, in the Matt Smith days where okay. you had uh, all the villains who got together to mm-hmm. put the doctor in the Pandorica. Well, um, when, you know, Stephen Fry was on the show, uh, it, it was made like they made a very distinct statement of saying there is no Torchwood. There is no unit. There is no, you know, those, they don't exist anymore. Right. So is the Alliance of what is replacing them, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there, is there some sort of universal thing or, or, you know, the thing about it is, are they, you know, are they an offshoot of the CIA? And of course by CIA, I mean, Celestial Intervention Agency. (laughs) There's no telling. But uh, the thing about it is they, I mean, they're certainly powerful enough to have time travel and um, ruthless enough to use it. You know, the fact that they would send something back in time to destroy all the Cybermen and Skynet. Yeah. (laughs) To such a degree that they were successful, that one Cyberman out of the, out of the legions of Cybermen, one survived and, you know, you know, didn't uh, didn't get off without a scratch for sure. So that becomes the, the question: Who who is this al- alliance? We don't know who they are. We don't know much about them. We definitely know they're they're powerful, and we also seem to know that you know they're uh, the doctor might not be too cool with how they do what they do. I mean, he had his issues with Torchwood for sure, but th- they do seem to be a little bit Machiavellian and. Uh, I guess the question is, what is Jack Harkness's relationship with him? If he's part of the Alliance, is he trying to change things like he did in Torchwood? You know, trying to, to uh, try to improve things from uh, from the inside, like, you know, going back to that sort of thing. But again, you know, one thing about this episode, uh, they didn't feel like they needed to explain a whole lot to us. They said, well, it's better off to leave you with questions. And there are a lot of questions there. But not nearly as many questions as as what the doctor was do, having to deal with while her companions were dealing with Jack, and that's so. Let's the talk, doctor. <laughs> so let's talk about Ruth Clayton, <laughs> the tour guide. Ruth Clayton's the doctor. Yep. Holy cow! The doctor who doesn't know our current doctor. So there's a whole lot of you know fan theories going on. Yeah. Where did she, you know, what number of regeneration is she? Uh, is she from some other plane? Is she, you know, is the doctor a title and not a person? All kinds of, you know, great, yeah. great there, stuff going there's on. There's a lot of theories going on. Now, the, of course, the one thing um, we're being told, you know, and Chris Chibnall has already, he said, he's like, look, this is not. So this is not some uh, other uh, other dimensional being, whatever. This is the doctor. Uh huh. And Lost also said that it's not purgatory. Yeah, 
Again, the island is not purgatory. Well, let me let me re restate what I I've said earlier. Uh, the first rule of Doctor Who is the show the showrunners always lie, so, and they tell us that they're lying to us because also the master said everything you've been taught is a lie. Yeah. So there's a possibility that uh, as far as timelines go, now here's the thing. Here's here's what I was able to glean from a lot of what was going on in this episode. When you see when you see uh, Ruth the Doctor's TARDIS. It definitely looks a lot like Hartnell's slash Troughton's TARDIS. It it looks like that old school white TARDIS. Hmm. So I have a feeling, this is my theory. And again, there's a ton of theories. If you go online, you'll see a ton of them. My theory is that that this is an earlier doctor. Earlier than Hartnell. So Well, I no, I don't think earlier than Hartnell. Okay. The reason being was Hartnell was supposed to be the one who left Gallifrey. Okay. Okay. So here's my theory. And I think some other people might might be on, on road with this. Is when uh, the second doctor, when Troughton became Pertwee, the third doctor, there was a little bit of a space between those two. I mean, you didn't see a regeneration, but there wasn't really a typical one. I mean, first of all, this was going to be the second regeneration ever on the show. But also, it was forced on by the Time Lords, who basically caught up with the Doctor and then exiled him on Earth, where he couldn't travel. But there's a gap between the last uh, Troughton episode, where he's, which is in black and white, and then it becomes color, and you see uh, Pertwee fall out of the TARDIS. Yeah. So, there have been a lot of theories. Dorothy that- comes out of the house. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There there have been all of these uh, talks about what they called uh, Season 6B, uh, that some, some things may have happened between when Troughton was, uh, when he was exiled and changed, and then, you know, between Pertwee, because there are certain episodes in the old, in the old Doctor Who series that continuity-wise are problematic. Uh, one of them is, you know, of course, he'd been running from the Time Lords, and the first time you even hear a mention of the Time Lords is that last uh, Troughton episode where he is forced to contact the Time Lords. He tries to escape after he contacts them and is captured and his companions are sent back uh, with their minds wiped and he's changed. But there are, uh, as I was saying, there's a couple episodes. One is the three doctors where he he's wor- where. The second doctor is helping the third doctor and the first doctor with with issues the time lords are having. Uh, why would he would why would he do that? First of all, the second thing is there's an episode of the six doctors series, uh, the Colin Baker Baker series. It's called the Two Doctors and involves the second doctor who's working in concert with the time lords. He's delivering a message for the time lords. He's there with Jamie, his companion, who had been mind wiped and sent back to Scotland. And both of them are obviously, they look older. So people were wondering, you know, people wondered, how is that possible since Troughton was changed and sent to Earth? You know, why would he be working with the Time Wards? I mean, where is that in continuity? So some fans came up with this theory of 6B, which was that the Time Wards exiled him, but they didn't do it right away. And he he worked, uh, the Doctor was basically forced to work with the Time Lords, but eventually that broke down and he was sent to Earth to to uh, begin his exile. So here is my theory on this, and I think some other people may have come up with the same theory, is I, I think what happened was that the Troughton, the second Doctor, did in fact, uh, he was he was working with the Time Lords, you know, as as he's being the Doctor, decided that he had had enough. And so he fakes his death. There was, of course, a Gat, the other Time Lord, the Time Lord. Uh, I don't know if she was an assassin necessarily, but there's some sort of, some sort of leader of some group, a uh, 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 Gallifreyan group. But she basically faked her funeral, and and of course Gat never said, you know, all of Gallifrey attended her funeral. So she basically faked her death, and escaped, and then used the Chameleon Arc to become human, so she couldn't be found. You know, she did what David Tennant did to try to escape the family blood. Uh, eventually, that wasn't going to wasn't going to pan out. But uh, that's I mean, and that, Jacoby did it when he yeah. was the master. Yeah. So 
my feeling about this is that perhaps what happened is that eventually the Time Lords are going to catch up with the 2.5. I, I, let's just call her 2.5. Okay. You know, they're going to catch up with her. They're going to force her to regenerate into uh, into Pertwee, but they're also going to wipe from the doctor's mind. That she ever existed. That she ever okay. existed. That's mm-hmm. my theory. Okay. Which I think might explain why, I mean, uh, why the Ruth doctor. Uh, so maybe doctor, she'll get a clever moniker like the war doctor, you know, John Hurt got the war doctor. So, you know, maybe she'll be the blank doctor. I don't know. Well, there's no, there's no telling. <sighs> it's what the fans decide. Yeah, possibly so. Uh, or at least what the uh, showrunners decide they're going to come up with. But at the same time. No, the fans decide stuff like that. <laughs> oh, is that like how that ship, works? Like the ship names? Oh, yeah. Fans <laughs> decide the ship names. Well, so. you, well, you know, it's funny you mention that because, of course, the name of the captain of the Jadun was uh, Paul Conton, which <laughs> was named after Paul Conton, who was a, a, a Doctor Who superfan who passed away. Oh. So they named that character after him. But uh, so, yeah, this is like I said, this is my theory. Again, you know, they, uh, we've been told this is not a, uh, you know, this is not some sort of alternate reality. But again, you know, the first rule of Doctor Who is that the showrunners always lie. But but um, my feeling is this is a regenerate. Uh, this is a regeneration between the second and the third doctor who eventually, you know, who tried to escape the Time Lords, failed to do so eventually gets caught forced to regenerate and ex- exiled on earth and memories of her entire of that regeneration were wiped now where that where this story kind of falls apart obviously is how do you explain that you're that you're short of regeneration because uh the only reason why the 12th doctor uh, matt smith was able to regenerate was because he was given a new life cycle by the time lords if there was another regeneration of the Doctor in there, then that means that uh, when um, David Tennant, the Tenth Doctor, when he he regenerated, well, he shouldn't have been able to regenerate, uh, you know. So we've got an entire extra regeneration. We got to figure out where did it come from. So, and my only thought on that is perhaps when the when the Time Lords forced forced a regeneration on uh, Troughton, it didn't count. So, and the thing about it is that, you know, when they, when they regenerated the doctor, instead of regenerating into Pertwee, maybe regenerated them into, into this uh, doctor 2.5, which means that, uh, as far as the timeline is concerned, the 13th doctor is not the first female. It's not the first female regeneration of the doctor. And of course there was a mention, Peter Capaldi, uh, had said that he thought, you know, that, that doctor said, uh, he was pretty sure he was a guy back at a certain point, but he wasn't sure. So if he'd been white guys the whole the whole time, you know, uh, it would have been easier to remember, I think. And they, so they might have been. Well, I don't know if necessarily they were they'd been building it up that far back. But again, you know, it doesn't it doesn't answer all the questions for sure. And the thing is, this this episode certainly didn't. They they asked a lot of questions. They didn't give a lot of answers. And, you know, that one scene where um, the 13th Doctor gets kicked off of the TARDIS, you know, where the Ruth Doctor, or Doctor 2.5, or whatever we're going to call the Doctor, the, this Doctor, who's the first first African-American to play the Doctor, you know. So we're getting that. But, you know, when... Uh, She's when, English. Yeah. First black woman. There you go. <laughs> first black person. Oh, that's true, because she's English. <laughs> See, because I'm an American, and therefore I'm very xenophobic. So I just I always say African American, of course, which makes no absolutely no, no sense whatsoever. So <laughs> thank you for pointing that out for me, mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, first person of color to play the Doctor, for sure. The thing about it too is that, of course, you know when the Thirteenth Doctor uh, was dropped off near, uh, dropped off back on Earth. You know the look on her face, the shell shocked look on her face, was pretty much the same face we all had on um you know on our faces because we're like she's thinking the same thing we're thinking what the heck just happened here you know we don't you know we hadn't you know they they set all of this stuff up and you know they're not going to answer it anytime soon this next episode i don't think is going to visit any of this at all they're just going to let that stew when are we going to are we going to see the ruth doctor again probably i just don't know when I mean, it's not like we haven't got enough stuff already on our plates. 
you know, who is this timeless child? What happened that was, you know, what is the secret of, of, uh, of the time Lords that's so horrible that the master was like, Oh, the heck with it. I'm destroying everything. I'm destroying all the Califrey. I can't deal with this. You know, what's going on there. And then of course now we're tacking on who is this Alliance who's so powerful that they could destroy an entire civilization of, of, uh, of Cybermen, you know, down to one Cyberman, you know, who is this uh, Ruth doctor? You know, what's her story? Where does all this stuff fit in? You know, there's a, I mean, there are a lot of questions and not a lot of answers so far. And of course, depending on who you talk to in fandom, you know, they either really like it or, or they don't. Some of it, I think, has to do with, you know, there's a lot of theories going around because we don't have answers. And uh, some of the people don't like some of the theories. And I'm thinking, well, you know, you can't really hate the show over a theory that somebody has. You know, it's like, we don't know what the truth is yet until uh, until they decide they're, they're going to tell us. It certainly has me interested. I And I've said this on the show before. Um, one of the issues I had with Stephen Moffat, although I really enjoyed his, uh, enjoy his writing in general, is that he always... One of the problems he had with Doctor Who, for sure, was that he was very often loved to write himself in a corner to see if he could write himself out of it. He would come up with this big concept and a mystery, and then he would, you know, without any idea of how he was going to end it, he would just paint himself into a corner and say, how do I get myself out of it? And he didn't always stick the landing, for sure. So I don't think Chibnall was necessarily doing that. I, I'm i pretty sure that he knows where he's going with this story. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be the big question. Where 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 do we go from here? You know, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely uh, um, building something. Um, but it's, and it's probably going to be a while before we get any answers to it, but, uh, uh, it'll definitely be something that we check out. But, uh, of course the next episode is going to be, uh, again, it's not a straight line from this. It's going to be a different mystery. So that'll be the question is where, you know, where do they go from here? But, uh, certainly when the show comes up, we will definitely, uh, we'll definitely talk about it. But, uh, of course that'll be, uh, this weekend. I mean, I've seen I've seen a little bit of the trailer for that for that episode. We we've seen that they look like killer birds, I guess, a swarm. Of, uh, but they're but you know apparently there's some mystery that this is a global phenomenon. So, but they haven't really said a lot about the episode. But uh, and it's called Praxis. Hmm. So, um, but uh, I guess when when we see it, we'll definitely uh, talk about it. And we'll and as this uh, as this mystery continues to develop. You know, mystery upon mystery. <laughs> so, uh, as these as these mysteries begin to develop, and we get to we find out more about it, we'll definitely talk about it here on the program. So, and so with that said, we come to the end of episode ninety eight of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. From Andy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there: we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>